0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com, that's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to another episode of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are analyzing that space between convenience eating and healthy eating. I feel as though in my own life, in my own kitchen, I want to cook healthy meals, but doing so takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy that I don't necessarily have. And therein lies the rise of convenience foods. Today, we're talking about how we can fight back against that convenience factor. And I have the perfect guest to discuss this topic with. Today, I'm talking with Kate Flynn. She is the co-founder and CEO of Sun & Swell Foods. We're gonna talk about Sun & Swell. We're gonna talk about how we can eat a little bit healthier in 2021. And we're gonna talk about all the pitfalls associated with convenience eating. Kate, I'm so thrilled to talk to you. How are you?
1: I'm doing wonderful, and I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you.
0: Well, I'm so grateful you gave me some of your time. Before we get into, this is such a bad pun, but the meat and potatoes, let's say, of today's <laughs> episode, why don't you tell my listeners who you are, what you do, and what on earth Sun and Swell is?
1: Yeah. My name is Kate. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Sun & Swell. So at Sun & Swell, we're building the first online plastic-free health food store. We focus on selling health foods that are all organic, made only with real foods, and then packaged in compostable packaging that turns back into soil if it's composted. We are super passionate about doing what we do because we feel the packaged food industry in particular is very broken it's hurting our health. It's hurting the planet for many reasons, everything from the ingredients that are going into foods to, um, to package foods, the packaging itself.
0: Tell me a little bit more. Why did you, out of all the jobs in the world, out of all the professions you could have excelled at, why did you decide to start a food company?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it really started out of a personal need. So I've talked a lot about how I eat this, you know, whole food diet. I read my labels. Like that's not how I always was. That's something, I started doing about five years ago after I I kind of had a really unhealthy relationship with food for like my teenagers, my 20s. I was really obsessed with calories and carbs and numbers in a not healthy way. Like it was, I almost had a negative relationship with food. Like it was a bad thing that I just had to eat. And I was introduced to whole food eating, like, you know, where I actually focus on the food that I'm eating versus the calories and the numbers behind it. And when I switched to that diet, it was really life changing to me because I, um, first of all, I just felt better than ever. All of a sudden I like had a good relationship with food. So mentally it was really helpful for me, but also, um, my asthma went away that I had since I was a kid. I had eczema my whole life that went away. So it just was really eye opening to me, the benefits of eating real food, not heavily processed food, not things made in a lab, eating real food. And I realized how impossible it was to find at the time I was working, I was in management consulting, I was working up in San Francisco, crazy hours, and I was constantly eating on the go. And it was like impossible to find things that kind of fit the criteria I was looking for. So it kind of that's, that's where it started. It was like a pretty traditional story of starting a food company, like it started in my kitchen, sampling to my friends, we were bringing it to the market, people were liking it, you know, and, it, and we felt we saw that it filled this need that wasn't out there.
0: Well, you did mention that you believe that the packaged food industry is broken. Can you talk more about that? Really get detailed for me and my listeners.
1: Yeah, totally. So I kind of see three major issues, and I'm sure there, there's many more, but the three that um, really stand up for me. One is the ingredients, the actual ingredients that are going into packaged foods. So when you buy, go, to, and when we, I talk about packaged foods, I'm talking about things that line the aisles of the grocery store um, or things that are also like in the freezer department and whatnot. But so if you flip over packaged foods and read the ingredient labels, you'll realize that probably about 99% of foods out there are full of ingredients that aren't really any ingredient you recognize, like maybe you can pronounce it, but you don't actually know what it is. It isn't something you'd have in your pantry. It's not something that's grown on this earth. It's something that's either really, really, really highly processed or made in a lab. So it's like we end up eating these foods that are really anything but real food and it's hurting our health. It's causing the rise of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, all these issues. That's one major issue is like the ingredients themselves that are going into these foods. Another major issue is just when we are using real ingredients in these foods, where are they coming from? So just a really simple example is um, like a bag of almonds. If you go to the grocery store and you buy a bag of almonds, you probably don't know what farm that almond came from. And chances are, even though there are plenty of almonds grown in the U.S., those almonds were most likely imported from another country because they were cheaper. And that's like another really big issue is that we're so far disconnected from the source of our foods. I think we're getting better when it comes to produce and farmers markets and what's whatnot. But when it comes to packaged food, it's just like this whole gray area where you're like, I don't know where, where this is all coming from, who made it, how it's made, whatnot. And then the third issue that uh, one of the other major issues is just the sustainability, especially when it comes to packaging. So the food industry is one of the major contributors to plastic waste, single-use plastic waste that ends up in landfill. And, you know, we talk a lot about plastic water bottles and plastic straws, but nobody is really attacking the packaged food industry. And it's because the way that the food industry is set up, there, there are alternative options, but they're not really ready to go through a traditional grocery distribution system. And so, A lot of companies like the big food companies, unless they really change their business models, there's not a lot that they can do to make changes away from plastic. So, you know, there's the health issue, the sustainability issue, and all of these just roll into kind of a really what we think is a really broken system. And I always say in the ideal world, there would be absolutely no packaged foods like you would buy everything from local farm from farmers markets, everything would come, you know, just whole real food, but that's absolutely not the reality that we live in. So how do we get the packaged food that you're buying as close to that as possible?
0: Well, Sun and Swell is doing an awful lot right. And I also want to say that you sent me some amazing foods. Thank you so much. In compostable packaging, the oatmeal cacao cookie bites. Holy moly, those solve a big problem for me. I'm not going to necessarily whip up a batch of cookies with maple syrup sweetener, let's say. But I am going to reach for a bag of these cookie bites, which satisfies my sweet craving, fulfills my hunger, and is also healthy. So we'll get there. But I should say that I feel the pull all the time in my own life to, on the one hand, provide healthy meals, healthy snacks for my family, for myself, but on the other hand, just not having that time, effort, or energy. A great example today would be this afternoon. You know, I was hangry. I was really hungry. I am just not going to clean the carrots and whip up a batch of hummus. <laughs> I'm going to go to the cabinet and get some something in a box, right? How do you deal with that push and pull in your own life? And I suppose a better way to ask that would be, what do you eat? How do you feed your family? And how do you deal with that time, non-convenience problem?
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, this is literally something I struggle with every single day. So even though like I own a food company, this is literally one of my biggest problems every day too. So it's like the struggle is real. And I have a a, almost one and a half year old and now I'm feeding a third person. And, you know, so it's like only gotten more complex than it did like before she came along. But um, I think it all starts. So I I would start by saying we eat like a lot of things in life, according to like the 80-20 rule. So I try to say, what I'm going to stack my pantry with and what I'm going to have in my fridge. I'm going to try to plan ahead for those things. I tr- We try to eat a whole food plant-based diet. So really trying to eat whole real foods as much as possible, full of veggies, full of fruits. However, we can't be perfect and we don't want to try to be perfect. So we, A, we'll always have like For example, like we love a salty chip and it's really hard to find salty chips that are really truly clean and healthy and not processed at all. But plantain chips with a little bit of salt are something that's easily available and they're a healthier alternative. So we do have like when we try even like the snacks that we try to buy that are a little, you know, our guilty pleasures, we do try to still make better choices there. But the other thing is like, I've learned over time through elimination diets that I'm gluten intolerant and dairy intolerant. Not, um, I don't have celiac or anything like that, but I, it, it increased like gluten drives asthma for me, which is crazy. Um, and all those things. So we don't keep those things in our house and our cupboards. If I go out and I want to have an ice cream, I'm going to eat an ice cream. My stomach will feel a little weird afterwards, but like, whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm accepting the consequence. Like, cause I, and I think that's the biggest thing is like, giving ourselves grace with everything. It's like we can try as much as we can, but like don't beat ourselves up when we're not perfect. I think the, the biggest thing that sets me up for success and prevents me from doing, you know, those convenience eats as much as possible is planning ahead and really figuring out like the snacks and the types of things that you can keep in your pantry that are ready to go, but that are really better than a lot of the traditional foods out there. So for example, Two of my go-to staples in my pantry are a wide variety of nuts that whether they're like roasted and salted or just raw or wide variety of nuts, which can also often fill the place of like that salty craving and also dried fruits, which also feel like, which will fill the place of that sweet tooth craving. So those are two of our go-tos, but then we also have you know, there's certain brands of tortilla chips that are like clean tortilla chips. so we we've just kind of done the research and figured out in our household what are those like healthy substitutes for when we do want to reach for one of those things. And the reality is oftentimes they're pretty expensive. And so we only buy them selectively, but it does help in those emergency scenarios.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up the hefty price point associated with healthier options because, That is a really important aspect to this conversation. You mentioned plantain chips. I'm wondering whether plantain chips are even available in all neighborhoods and all grocery stores. I know there are food deserts where healthy foods don't even exist. And then on top of the food desert problem, there's obviously the uh, financial barrier that may present itself. So what are your thoughts on that? Is healthy and clean eating only for those of us with means?
1: Yeah, so this is a really complex topic. But one of the things that I think before we kind of answer that question, it's also helpful to understand the context a little bit. So a quote or a saying that resonated with me a couple years ago, it sticks with me so much is, we should stop asking why healthy and organic foods are so expensive and start asking why unhealthy foods are so cheap. Basically, what's happened over the years, over the decades Is that um, through a variety of reasons like governments subsidizing certain types of industrial farming and food manufacturers trying to figure out how to make foods addicting but also cheap as possible and hence like the foods that aren't really real foods, you know, like through all of these things food, certain types of food have become so cheap. When you look at how much money we spend on food in the US, the percent of our income is significantly lower than a lot of other like European countries, for example, it's significantly lower than what our great grandparents spent on food, which doesn't solve the problem. But it's just part of the context of we've gotten ourselves here because of all these things we shouldn't have ever done. Like it should, food should never have been as cheap as it is today. But the reality is, it's cheaper to feed a family on McDonald's than going to buy a salad somewhere. You know, it's, it's just the reality. I think the sad truth about where we are today, like a lot of other, you know, health and sustainability type products, even outside of food, they are expensive. And just by nature of the price point, it makes them more exclusive for people that either have the means or devote a huge portion of their income to it because they care so much about it. However, I see a lot of hope and it's like getting to a place where it is more accessible. The typical food distribution model we have today, where food is sold through grocery stores, there are so many layers and layers of middlemen along the way from the time something leaves a farm to gets to your pantry. There's 10 different companies along the way that have had to make money and had to make profit to actually get that food to you. And as a result, it really drives price up. It significantly drives price up for food that's already slightly more expensive. So where I see hope is a lot of innovation and business models, specifically targeting getting healthy, organic, good foods to people at lower price points. But the reality today is... Most of the businesses that are working on this are small emerging brands that are nowhere near the scale of the, you know, food bohemus that are driving the lower prices. So we, I think we'll make a lot of progress, but right now it's, it is unfortunately not as accessible as I really wish it was. Hmm. Let's
0: talk about what we can do at the supermarket. So let's say we're walking through the supermarket and it's often said that eye level is buy level. <laughs> For listeners who perhaps want to make some smarter choices at the grocery store and know that eating fresh fruits and vegetables 100% of the time just isn't, isn't feasible for them, what tips do you have for them as they are snaking through the aisles? Should they be looking for certain certifications,
1: certain labels? Talk to me. Yeah. So I think two things. Um, first of all, I would say before you even make that trip to the store, try to do a little bit of research and maybe come up with some, uh, the products that you're looking. So if if you Google like clean snack foods, or, um, I think some, some terms that you can search for, even if you're not following these diets specifically are like paleo compliant and whole 30 compliant, those are diets that focus on eating real whole foods. Um, so kind of identifying some brands ahead of time that you're going to look to go buy, I think will speed up your trip a lot. And then the other thing, once you're actually at the store, if you are more discovering while you're in the store, is to flip over labels and read the ingredient list. The thing I think that was a little bit more, I heard more commonly several years ago was if you can't pronounce it, then don't buy it. I like to say, if you can't like imagine, if you don't know what it is, even if you can pronounce it, like I can pronounce high fructose corn syrup, but if you can't actually think of what that ingredient is and would it be in your pantry, then maybe try to avoid it. And it's hard. Like, I mean, like we we eat that way now, but it took, it's not like an easy switch. It took a lot of research, a lot of learning. It maybe may start with like, hey, I'm gonna try to find like a better tortilla chip this time, like tackle one thing at a time you know, and and decide what you want to make the trade-offs on. And maybe there are certain things that you don't want to compromise on, like, and that's fine. But I think planning ahead. And then when you get to the store, reading the labels, and then in terms of certifications, certified organic is always an amazing thing, but I know the price points are more expensive. So it's just something to consider more important for produce and things like that, um, where actually chemicals are actually touching the food, other certifications to look for, one that I really love, and it honestly doesn't necessarily mean healthy or or anything like that, but it means that the business that created the product is a better business, and that's B Corporation certification. So that's a little B with a circle around it. For anyone who's not familiar with B Corporations, a B Corp certification is like that for your company. It's not just food companies that can be B Corp certified. It's all industries. And it basically means if you're B Corp certified, you meet the highest standards when it comes to how you treat the environment, how you treat employees, how you treat all your stakeholders, your suppliers, and all that. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're buying healthy or not healthy, like, but it does mean the company that's creating that product is putting care. And that would hold you whether you're at and care into every, you know, every all elements of what they're doing. And to me, that's always important when I'm, Choosing how to spend my dollars in the store.
0: Well, you're so modest. You didn't even mention that Sun and Swell is B Corp certified. But I'll do it for you.
1: <laughs> yes, we are, and we're very proud to be it. And, and you know, it's like um, I didn't know a lot about B Corps until we became B Corp certified. But as a consumer myself, it definitely is. Like I was, I was looking for a brand of uh, some vitamins to buy the other day, and there was one with a B Corp seal on it. And I was like, "There's my I don't know what." I had to choose because they all look the same, but I'm choosing that one. And I, it is something to, to look out for. <laughs> hmm.
0: Well, you mentioned there a great tip, a real solid, tangible takeaway, which is if you turn over a packaging on your food item in question, you will say, oh, this looks good. You turn it over, you read the ingredients. If it has ingredients that you wouldn't stock in your own pantry... Uh, your spidey scent should go off, right? I love that. I'm stealing that. (laughs) I'll credit you. (laughs) We're going to chat about what we can all be doing in our own homes to ensure that when we are hangry, we don't resort to the unhealthy stuff in the excess packaging. We're going to talk all about that after a quick word from this week's sponsor. So many of us have chaotic Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com/sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. slash sustainable Love where you live. And we are back with Kate Flynn, co-founder and CEO of Sun and Swell Foods. Before the break, Kate, you had given us some real tangible tips for when we're in the supermarket. And I just want to say here, too, that if if you shop at a quote-unquote health food store, I'm thinking Whole Foods, right? Everybody assumes that, well, if it's in Whole Foods, it must be safe. Whole Foods is really big in the Northeast. That's not necessarily true. And I would even go so far as to say that the food companies that I have had the pleasure of interviewing on this show, none of them sell their product in Whole Foods.
1: Yeah. Do you have anything... any any insight on that? I I totally agree. And like, I should also add just because something's organic doesn't mean it's healthy. So it's like, it's, you know, it's like, I think we get this perception of uh, Whole Foods definitely has higher standards than other stores. But the better for you category of food, this elevated criteria that that food has to meet to make it into Whole Foods it's still not i mean the, if the standards were so high at whole foods that would meet my criteria of like stuff i'd want in my pantry like it would be a small market like i you know it's like there's there's not enough food companies making those types of food but on top of that a lot of times the healthiest foods have shorter shelf lives. And so it's hard to get them through traditional distribution. So one of the companies that like I, one of the brands I love is a brand called Malk, M-A-L-K. And it's like an almond milk and nut milk, but they're really clean. I mean, it's like, it's literally like making it in your kitchen. It's nuts and water and like a little bit of salt or something like that. Versus most almond milks in the store have a bunch of fillers and additives and stuff like that they've actually been able to kind of grow within Whole Foods. And that's been I remember their shelf life is so short, it's almost like produce, like it's a very short shelf life, because it's just real. I mean, there's no additives. And it's really challenging for for brands to be able to do that in a traditional grocery distribution channel, which is why you see a lot of these companies with like direct, you know, direct meal service delivery and all those things. It's one of the reasons why we we really focus on selling online. It definitely is not a seal of approval just because it's at Whole Foods or just because it has organic. It's really about diving deeper and making sure you know exactly what you're buying. Hmm.
0: Well, you mentioned Malk there, and I'm definitely going to check them out. But I'm just curious, do you have any other favorite brands that you are super happy to support with your dollars?
1: Yeah, um, there's a brand of chocolate I love called Honey Mamas. And it's a women-run company. I think they're out of Oregon. And their chocolate's amazing. And so it's like as if you were going to make it in – if you were going to make, like, chocolate at home, it's soft and it's delicious. They're another one who's, like, really beat the system and gotten their, you know, really temperature-sensitive chocolate through grocery distribution, which is amazing. I was talking about tortilla chips before, a Siete chips um they're they're definitely bigger now they're they you know they're they're started as a family-owned company and they've um they've grown a lot they are like a substitute for tortilla chips and tortillas and super clean ingredients so that's like another another staple that my husband is very into his chips and salsa. So that's been another staple in our pantry.
0: Who's not into chips and salsa? I know,
1: I know. If you're not
0: into chips and salsa, I don't want to be your friend. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. And we all know we don't have time to make our own tortilla chips because I have tried that and it has taken a long time. So.
0: I'd love to transition this conversation and talk about any tips or tricks that you rely on in your own home, not necessarily as the founder and CEO of Sun and Swell, but more as a mom. (laughs) Like, How do you, or maybe a better way to ask this question would be, what routines do you have around food to ensure that uh, when you're out of time, when you're tired, you don't just throw up your hands and order pizza?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So for us, um, it all comes down to, I, if I if I so my routine is spending some time on Sunday to prepare. And if I don't do that, the week is, I would want to say, I, I feel so out of control when it comes to the food, because I don't have two hours to make dinner every night, I have like 20 minutes. Usually, what we and same with, I mean, even breakfast, like preparing breakfast for, I mean, like I can skip breakfast if I need to, but I can't. My daughter, I can't. I, she needs to eat, you know. So it's like it doesn't. It's not an option to skip meals with her. So, for me, the biggest thing that sets me up for a successful week is prepping on Sunday. But I, I think when I used to think about meal prepping on Sunday, I thought that meant literally making all your meals and having them like in Tupperware and frozen and ready to just heat up and go. And I did that for a while. And by the time Thursday comes, like you don't want to eat that thing that you made on Sunday, it just like doesn't taste as good. You know, it's like it just, unless maybe, maybe if it freezes well, it'll work. And and also, when I was trying to do it that way, it just made meal prep so overwhelming, it would be like six hours, which is way too much. So instead, what I try to do is a meal prep, to make it so every meal I'm making is like a 15 to 20 minute meal. So that means, um, and I have like my go-to things, like roasted veggies are the easiest thing in the world. You put your oven on like 425, olive oil, salt and pepper, stick your veggies in, boom, you're done. Like, so I have like my staple things that are really easy. For veggies, for example, if I'm going to do, let's say like zucchinis one night and carrots one night or sweet potatoes another night, I'll make sure everything's like washed, peeled, chopped. And that's the prep I do. So when it comes time to actually making them, they're all prepared. It's just throwing on the olive oil, salt, and pepper and getting them in the oven. And that makes a huge difference. It takes that process down from like 20 minutes, like five minutes. It's just sitting in the oven the whole time. And then also planning my meals ahead of time. And I can tell you if I do not do that on Sunday, we eat out like... We'll probably I'll probably make dinner Monday and then like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday we end up ordering stuff because I just don't I can't. I, it's like overwhelming to even think about. <laughs> you gotta prep and plan and set aside those like three hours. But um it sets you up for a hugely successful week.
0: I totally agree with all of that. Just last weekend, my husband and I had different things going on, and we were two ships passing in the wind, and he did the grocery shopping, but I had no idea what he bought. I did no planning, no prepping on Sunday, and here we are. We're, we're chatting on Tuesday, and the stress level that I have is so unnecessary, but I have it because I didn't do that front-end work. Uh, I will say just for my kids, a quick tip that works like magic for me is just enacting the house rule that when you're hungry, you can have fruit. We have a huge bowl of fruit on the counter at all times. You don't even have to ask me, kids. You don't even have to waste your breath asking me because the answer is yes, you can always have fruit, always. That works really well. Another tip I have is I finally got smart and made a shelf in the pantry for the kids. So... I stock it with stuff that I feel comfortable with them eating. They can yeah. go. They can choose. And that eliminates that conversation of, Mom, can I have chips? Can I have cookies? Can I have this junk food? Well, is it on your shelf, kids? Because <laughs> if not, the answer is no. And I'd also one more thing that just came to my mind is that I know subscription box, is that the right word? Meal subscription delivery services, those meals that come in a box with everything pre- measured to your doorstep every day. Those are really increasing in popularity. But one of the big drawbacks to those is that they don't enable leftovers, right? They just give you enough for the two or the three meals, perhaps, and then the food's gone. So if you get in the habit of deciding your meals for the week, you're going to have a lot of left and cooking them in your yourself, prepping them yourself, you're going to have a leftover night every night, which is in my opinion, great. I love leftovers. My kids not so much, but yeah. I think just having a leftover night is a great way to use up what you've cooked, save you from cooking again.
1: Yeah. Or a leftover, we do a lot of leftovers for lunch. So we'll make like kind of enough for like, just so we can each have like two adult portions. Then my, my daughter gets a little bit and then say we'll do leftovers for lunch the next day, which is really nice because it takes the thinking out of what am I going to make for lunch? I the other a couple other things is just like looking for things that make batch cooking really like you mentioned like the pot like my slow cooker is like one of my favorite things because I can make a big thing of soup or chili or something like that and then it will last a couple I can have it for dinner one night lunch a couple days later or whatever you definitely don't have to make your own bread you can buy your own bread but I like to make this like superfood bread and I'll make it I'll be okay this is going to be I'm going to give like my daughter like an almond butter and jelly sandwich on Monday. And then I'm for like on Tuesday, she's going to have like a, a little piece of bread with almond butter and bananas. On, you know, so it's like you can kind of make things that you're going to be able to use in different ways throughout the week. I think it's like another, and like for different meal settings throughout the week is also also helpful.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about Sun and Swell. We teased it. We talked about some problems you're solving for listeners, but what do you sell and where can listeners find you online?
1: Yeah, so um, we sell a wide variety of um, uh, snacks and pantry staples. So everything's organic, everything's um, healthy, real food. We have your go-to staple ingredients like nuts and dried fruits and superfoods like chia seeds and all that stuff. But then we also have kind of our special sun and swell uh, like our cookies that we talked about earlier, we have some trail mixes, we have some seasoned and spice nuts and whatnot. So we really have a wide variety. Everything's gluten-free, plant-based, um, dairy-free, all of that. And the majority, not everything yet, um, but about, I think 80% of our products might be more like 90% now are in compostable packaging. We do sell some things uh, I call out in the wild, like we do have some products in Whole Foods and um, out, like in um, other other uh, like on Amazon stuff like that. Those products are still in traditional packaging because we don't have time to go into it today. But there's uh, compostable packaging isn't yet ready to be pushed through traditional distribution um, like grocery supply chains. But what we sell mine is compostable. You can shop us at www.sunandswellfoods.com and if you use code sustainable25 you can have 25% off your very first order. So um we're based in we're based in Santa Barbara, California. So Sun and Swell like the waves. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> we have no sun and no swell here in Boston, but <laughs> listeners, the cookie bites just try them. Your life will be changed. I promise. Try them and write to me. Tell me what you think. But my life has been changed after you sent them to me. Kate, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I enjoyed this conversation immensely. I wish we lived closer so we could go get a coffee with some almond milk. But thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It was a great conversation. Thank you for having me.
0: Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed my chat with Kate Flynn, co-founder and CEO of Sun & Swell. I have linked to all the good stuff we talked about today and this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 219. Now, I want to close this episode out with a couple tips and tricks that I've learned along the way, along my own cooking journey, for those of you listening right now who know you need to cook more often for your health and for your wallet's health, and so I just have some real beginner tips. So if you've been cooking for a while, you feel pretty competent in the kitchen, these tips are not for you. These are for the beginners, and these are tips that I wish somebody taught me as I All of a sudden, one day had to cook for a family. So a couple tips. I think I have six for you. The first is to, of course, taste as you go. If you are making a dish that has a lot of steps, a lot of parts, you're going to want to continuously taste as you're cooking. Because if it doesn't taste right in step one, it's definitely not going to taste good once you plate it. (laughs) So taste as you go. (laughs) Another tip for you is to follow the recipe the first time. So if you find a recipe, you think it looks great, you think your family's gonna love it, don't veer off the recipe the first time. Always follow the recipe the first time. And if it doesn't taste perfect according to your tastes, once you've completed the recipe, that's when you, the second, third, fourth time you're cooking, you do some tweaking. Similarly, tip number three for you is don't try a new recipe when you're having a dinner party or when you're hosting a holiday. When you're hosting a dinner party or holiday, you are going to use those tried and true recipes that you can successfully create with your eyes closed. Never try something new for other people. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> tip number four, this is a tip that uh, Anne-Marie Bonneau, when she came on, she's the zero waste staff. She was a guest on this podcast. I believe it was episode number 177 if you missed it. But Anne-Marie Bonneau says, salt is your friend. To a point, right? Salt is your friend. If the flavors aren't, you know, singing songs, doing dances in your mouth, instead of adding other herbs and other ingredients, first try adding a bit of salt and see if the salt makes the flavors sing. Tip number five for you is to get a really great cookbook, or if this is 2021, maybe cookbooks are... You know, heading on out, but follow some really good cooking blogs. A cookbook or a blog will keep you excited and interested and motivated to try new recipes and get better as you go. And finally, my final tip for all of you is that you will know when you are ready to freestyle cook. Freestyle cook means go off a recipe, (laughs) just See what's in your fridge, what's in your pantry, and just create something amazing from what you have. No recipe involved. You will know when your skills are at the level that you're able to do that. It took me an entire decade. Yes, 10 years. It took me 10 years before I felt as though I was ready to freestyle cook. And if I'm going to be honest, I'm still not that great of a freestyle cook. Cooking is not. Uh, a natural skill for me. It's something I've really had to work on over the years. But I do believe, and I've said it before on this show, that cooking is an essential self-sufficient skill. And so if you feel as though you may be heading down a path of losing the self-sufficient skill of cooking and you're ready to rein it back in, I hope that my conversation with Kate today, and I hope that these six quick tips have given you the motivation and perhaps even the inspiration to get cooking. I will see you on Thursday where I'm answering a listener's question and oh my goodness, it is all about bidets. (laughs) Yep, we're talking about bidets. I will see you then. Have an amazing two days and take care.